Because success is going to demand 10 things from you. Y'all tell me when I'm supposed to stop for lunch or what, I don't know. One o'clock? Yeah? Because y'all do know I will go. It'll be six o'clock tonight and I'll be going in another thing. <laughs> and y'all will be looking at me like somebody kill him. Somebody just shoot him so we can go eat. So you gotta keep me on the clock, all right? There's 10 things success is going to make. The first one is an insane commitment. Success demands an insane commitment, guys. Now, I understand you don't have a whole lot of time because you probably have other jobs, other things to do, different things going on in your life. But, but mentally, you got to become insanely committed to your goal of building a business that's going to make you wealthy. It starts mental and then it manifests in the physical. But if you're not thinking about your business all the time, you will probably not build a successful business. I think about this business all the time. I wake up in the middle of the night. I keep a pad by my bed to keep take notes of things I think of so I don't forget. I'm always in my business. I'm always in my my goals. I'm always in my finance. I start every day checking every account I have. Every day. Most of the time there's no change from one day to the other and if it was you would know because you don't want to spend it but I just check just in case because somebody might have went in there. They got hackers and stuff now. I don't know how. So every day I check everything. I even check physical stuff just in case somebody been in my house. I go to where I got gold bars and something I count them again. <laughs> ain't nobody live here but us. My wife like it's two of us. It's two of us in here. How you know they didn't get in here while we were asleep? And we were sleeping so hard we ain't here. <laughs> <laughs> they took one gold bar and snuck out the back door. I don't know. <laughs> so it's time to do a count again. I'm, I'm very insanely committed to success that way. I check everything every day. Then I look at all the world news channels every day. So I know everything that's going on everywhere in the world every day. You could ask me about anything happening in the world and I can have an intelligent conversation about it because I monitor the world Every day. I, I know, I'm kind of crazy. And I'm also prepared for the world to end. Every day. <laughs> yep, I'm one of those people. Got everything. Backup generators on my house, three, four years worth of food supplies, six wars worth of bullets in case you try to come get my food supplies. I got it all. <laughs> I do. Cameras around the house. I got everything. If we got, when the pandemic happened, we was the only people that could care less. <laughs> Don't go out the house. I wasn't going out anyway. <laughs> oh, you can't go to the store no more. Don't need to. Got plenty of food. <laughs> Matter of fact, bought another freezer for the garage for some extra food to go with the food. Dry food, canned food, all kind of food. I even got a category called money food. Y'all know about that? It's the things that people will use 
as money, but their food. For instance, your body can't live without salt. If the world shut down and you can't get no salt, what you gonna do? I got extra salt to negotiate with. <laughs> <laughs> the number two consumed liquid after water is coffee. The world shut down, you can't get coffee no more. Do you know that people will kill you over some coffee? I got extra coffee to negotiate with. <laughs> I give you two cups of coffee for some of that, right? Yeah. Cocoa, chocolate. We don't grow chocolate here. And the world shut down, chocolate can't be imported. What y'all gonna do? You don't even realize you need chocolate. But I got extra chocolate to negotiate. <laughs> See, I'm way advanced on that. I'm on the whole next level with that. I also have hydroponic gardens in my house to grow my own food. I also have water filters to purify any water and I got a water barrels on my property that cannot weigh water for me to purify. And you know what makes people laugh? It's a mansion. So they come in and they expect to see all the luxury and then they're like, uh, you got something growing out of the wall at the back. And that's my garden, don't touch it. So my house is blend between luxury and survival. <laughs> all in there. I'm insanely committed to the success of my family. You will not take down my family. Nothing will. Nothing. They drop a nuclear bomb, I got a place to go. We might be the last two people. I have to keep telling my wife, I know we're getting older, but if we're the only two people, you're going to have to have a couple more babies. <laughs> my wife's like, we just going to die. <laughs> well, at least I mentioned it. You can't say I ain't bringing it up. Number two, you got to show up 100% of the time. That's right. See, the most important thing about today is you're here. You know how many people aren't? This isn't the whole company in California. This is not the whole company. There are hundreds of reps signed up in California. They're not here. They let life stop them, whatever the excuse is. I love when I show up. When I show up to a room, some people go, Chris, don't you wish to, I wish we had more people here for you. No, you don't have to wish that for me. I only want to talk to the ones who, who came to get it. I don't need the fluffers in the room. I need the hungry people in the room. I want to spend my time with people that, that are hungry, not just hungry, starving for success. Some of y'all spend too much room, too much time with people they don't even have an appetite. And you steady trying to convince them they hungry. Stop. I'm looking for hungry. I'm looking for starving. I can pour into starving and they gonna make it happen. Stop spending your time with people that aren't even hungry. They satisfied with where they are and you trying to tell them they need more. You trying to convince them they need more. Nah, I ain't got time for that. You happy where you are? Stay right where you are. But if you ever wake up and realize where you are ain't enough, don't come over here. <laughs> Remember, on my list of things, the big, I said bullets. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have bullets, you just shopping for somebody else. 
Because they're going to show up. They're going to show up to take your stuff. Well, your stuff. They ain't going to take my stuff. They're going to try that first couple of times. Then the word going to get out about my house. <laughs> yeah, skip that house on the corner. Yeah, he's a little crazy. He think he in World War III all by himself. He out there on the grass rolling around <laughs> with a camouflage suit on. Some doctor practicing. It's a drill. It's a drill. Y'all laughing, but me and my wife do drill. Especially my wife. She almost slapped me a bunch of times. Drill. We ready, though. Number three, you got to what? You got to work. You got to work at all. This ain't supposed to be comfortable. See, I said 100,000 in 100 days. You got to get 100 people each time. That's one person a day. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? That is the hardest thing you ever gonna have to do is get one person to listen every day. One to listen every day. You're gonna be like, oh my God, I didn't expect it to be the talk. I said all my friends are gonna listen. You about to find out. You about to find out. Is it doable? Absolutely, for the person who will not give up. But for the people who go and think, oh, I got 200 people, I can call right now. And when 98 of them hang up on you, now we're going to see what you're made of. Now the race gets started. Now let's see what you can do. Most of you are going to stop taking our calls at that point. But for that couple of you who will not be denied, that's when we're going to kick in the overdrive. See, I learned real quick my friends and family weren't going to be the answer. And I said, that's fine. There's 300 million people in America. I don't need 200. <laughs> I don't need no specific person. I told my family a long time ago, I said, listen, unless God strike a rock and write your name down, I don't give a crap if you do it or not. I'll find somebody. But if lightning hit a rock and put your name on it, oh, you coming with me. <laughs> you do understand it. If God strike a rock and put your name on it, you coming with me. If he struck a rock right now and told me there's 10 people in this room you need to take with you, y'all do know you're coming with me. Right? Yeah. You got a choice. You can ride in the car where there's air conditioning and music or the truck, but you coming with me because your name on this rock. And I don't defy God for nobody. You understand me? But so far in almost 40 years, no rock, no names. <laughs> Which means I'm going to go get the people that are looking for me. And those of you who aren't, I don't care if you my mother, brother, sister, cousin. Do you. Do you. I don't get caught up in that emotionally because everybody got their own journey. And if yours is a struggle, I'm going to let you have it. Yeah. He needs to teach you. There's obviously a lesson in that for you. You need to learn. Yeah. Who am I to break it? That's what I say to them when they come to me for money. Oh, no, that must be a lesson in that. <laughs> Who am I to stop you from learning your lesson? If I intervene with my money, I can screw up your whole learning process. <laughs> Who knows what your life will become? I'm going to step up to the side and only step in where I need to be. 
They go, Christopher, where you need to be? I said, if you call me from the hospital, I'll respond. If you call me from the police station, I'll check. <laughs> There's two responses when you get a call from the police station. Y'all know how our family are. What's the first thing we're going to say? Did you do it? <laughs> we got to find out if they did. Because if you did it, I ain't giving you nothing. But if you didn't do it, I got you back. Hospital, police, I had the same conversation with my son. 27, they always talk to them. I said, listen to me, boy. You got two times to call me. All the rest of the times, call your mama. Because you mama's boy, she'll sneak you money. I know she'll sneak you money. Y'all don't think I watch all the money every day. <laughs> I already know your mama gives you money. But she's supposed to. You the mama's boy. That's the chain of life. But don't call me unless you on the way to the hospital. You in the police car. That's when I'm going to jump into action. Or you at dinner with your girlfriend and don't got enough money to pay. You need to roll up your sleeves and wash dishes. There's a lesson in that. <laughs> and I ain't going to block that lesson. Now his mama will slip something on the car and so he ain't embarrassed. That's between y'all. I'm not going to break the mama-son chain bond thing because that's some whole next level stuff that I ain't supposed to understand. Daddies have daddy girls and mama's boys. We don't have no girls. So I ain't got nobody draining me. Let him get her. <laughs> if I'd have had a girl, then that would have been my problem. And she would have got everything, regardless of why, because that's what you're supposed to do. I don't have a girl, don't got to worry about it. I get extra money. <laughs> 20 hours a week part-time, 50 hours a week full-time, got to do it. Got to do it. Number four, what does success demand from you? Sacrifice. What does sacrifice really mean? It means not only do you got to pay the price, but you don't rush to show off. I just showed you a whole conversation plan that will buy you all the toys. Why are you going to run out of here on your first $10,000 bonus and buy a fancy car? You got to sacrifice that stuff until you earn it. I know it's hard. When you get the money, I know it's hard. <clears throat> but you gotta sacrifice. You gotta work hard, you gotta save your money and wait to the right time. My mentor told me whenever you wanna buy something, give yourself 90 more days and see if you still want. And you know what I found out? Usually 90 days later, I didn't moved on. It's impulse. So everything I decide I want to buy, I make myself wait 90 days. And nine times out of 10, whatever it is, I don't even want it 90 days later. I done moved on to something else that's in a 90-day holding pattern. And before you know it, all these 90 days go by and I ain't bought nothing. Because I ain't really need none of it. That's that impulse in you. You got to sacrifice that impulse and reward yourself for working. Number five, consistency. To do 100 people in 100 days, you gotta do a person a day. That means you gotta work every day. You gotta be sharing this presentation every day. If you want a day off, you gotta double up on another day to make up for it. 
you got to be consistent every day, every week, every month. You got to consistently work on your business. If you opened up a restaurant, would you just one day decide not to open? Have you ever pulled up to McDonald's and there was a sign that just said, we really ain't even feel like it today? <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? No. no. McDonald's is open. Somebody gonna open that McDonald's every day. If you ever pull up and the McDonald's not open, know everybody who worked there fired. They gonna get fired the next day. Corporate coming in like the Gestapo. What? Y'all closed it. You got to treat your business the same way. Why would you ever close it? Feel? What feel got to do with women? You know the biggest problem in America is feelings. Too many of y'all didn't develop some. You know how our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents survived? Because they did what they had to do whether they felt like it or not. That's what they did. They worked whether they felt like working or not. They did jobs they didn't feel like doing to make sure their family was taken care of. They stayed together when they wasn't even feeling each other no more. <laughs> now we like, I don't love you no more, I'm getting a divorce. My wife had this conversation. That house, 6,000 square feet. You can take any square footage of it you want. As long as you don't go out the front door or the back. And I ain't either. <laughs> ain't no divorce. What divorce? We ain't got married now. If it's a bad decision, we're going <coughs> to live with this. We're going to die on this decision. <laughs> yeah? And if we can't stand each other, then find your spot. Where you going to live? Which room? Which, you can take the biggest and best of everything. I don't need much. I just need TV and access to the food. Don't lock off access to the food. <laughs> Which we don't typically eat most of the same stuff, so I don't even gotta worry about that. She more healthy, I'm more poor. <coughs> I call it poor. When you grew up as poor as I did, there is nothing you don't eat. See, my wife walk around, oh, don't eat pork, don't eat this, don't. If I catch it and can cook it, it's going down. <laughs> Just that simple. I don't care what food group. I don't care. I grew up poor. We was lucky to get some food, and all of a sudden now I got. Somebody asked me the other day, "You got any allergies against food? Where you grow?" <laughs> we weren't able to be allergic to food. How did they even come up with that? That's some rich kid stuff. You ate what your mama put on the plate. And she ain't never asked me was I allergic to nuts. <laughs> and even if I tried to because I didn't like it, say I was allergic, she said, you're going to eat it today. I have a collection of pictures of me sleep in the kitchen, under the table, by the radiator when I was little. These are all the times that I protested I wasn't going to eat, and she said, you ain't eating that table till you do. <laughs> we have a collection of that fight. I slept on the table, under the table, by the radiator. All those pictures just signify one thing. That woman had some Brussels sprouts, something on that plate, and I was going down without eating. And she wouldn't let me leave that kitchen until I did. We fought wars over that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, why don't you leave the vegetables off? We ain't got to go through all this. 
But she thought not making me eat vegetables was child abuse. No, making me sleep on the floor in the kitchen is child abuse. <laughs> we never agree to that. But that's a, today as an adult, there's nothing I can't or won't eat. So I'm good. I love it. We had all the directors at my house, right? You was there. Multi-million dollar house. What did we eat? So <laughs> That was always my dream, to be in a multi-million dollar house and still serve so food. I'm not serving no bougie food. I'm serving, we had oxtail. Didn't we? Fried chicken, fish, macaroni and cheese. We had green beans with potato. We had yams. <laughs> Look, and I served it in them fancy dish things with the little fire underneath. Yeah, I had it all set up. You know. Yeah, whatever you call it. All fancy. Soul food. Get you some of the oxtail. Yep, that's what I served all of us. Now we had some people who had never ate any of that before. Little shock, had to break them in. Come on now, let me get your plate. Let me show you. Get a little rice, put that gravy on, put that oxtail. Then we're gonna get you. I got fish over here for y'all too. And we're gonna, what? And we finished it off with peach cobbler and bluebell ice cream. That's how we eat. And my match. <laughs> and all that, all that other stuff, right? I'm going, and I didn't do this to him, but I almost did. Because when I brought the executive team in ahead of time, I took them to the restaurant to literally taste the food, and I got the Kool Aid. <laughs> that Kool Aid was so sweet, they couldn't even handle it. <laughs> One of the executives threw away a half a cup of Kool-Aid. I had a fit. I said, did you just throw away Kool-Aid? <laughs> you lost your mind. He said it was too sweet. I just took half of it and blended it with water. I said, yeah, and the other half, we could have blended it with water tomorrow. <laughs> Four cups out of one cup. You get where I'm coming from. Don't away no Kool-Aid. That's what I, you know, to show you how we are, when we bought the Bentley and they delivered it to the house, the truck came, big old truck, they backed the Bentley out, everybody's looking. We jumped in it and went to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> the first place our Bentley ever went was McDonald's drive through for breakfast. <laughs> While my wife was doing a Beyonce video in the, in the passenger seat. That's the thing on her, the music <laughs> on her. We just got it. We ain't never gonna change. No matter how much money, we ain't never gonna change. That's what I like about our life more than that. You know what I'm saying? You gotta consistently fight that battle. Hey, number six, self-confidence. Even when you have no reason to be. Listen to me now. The number one thing you must do is believe in you. Even when everything is going wrong and you don't think you should. You have to continue to believe in who? Won't ever stop. It's such a superpower. 
and it gives you the strength to keep going and then soon realize there's nothing that you can't overcome anyway. But if you stop believing in you, it becomes overwhelming and then you can't do it. I think I've succeeded more in life over the simple fact that I believed I could than anything to do with logic. On paper, it probably looked like it was insurmountable. But because I believed I always win, somehow I figured out how to win. So the self-confidence is the absolute key to success. Number seven, discipline. This is what I was just talking about with feelings. Discipline is when you're doing what you must at all times. What you must, not what you feel like doing, what you must at all times. See, I had to learn this one when it came to, to, to weight loss. Now, you guys are looking at me now. I am 200, uh, I'm 203 pounds now. I was 256 last year. You know how I did it? I stopped feeling about it. Because I didn't feel like losing it. I didn't feel like there was nothing wrong with me. I felt like the big sexy. When I looked at me, I was like, I'm repping teddy bear all day. <laughs> I don't even know why women would deal with skinny dudes anyway. <laughs> why you want a dude with a six pack? You can't put your head on that and watch a movie. <laughs> it's too funky. <laughs> People say, get in shape. I said, I am in shape. I'm round. Round is the first shape you learn when you look. Don't they teach you about round? I said, I'm round, I am in shape. I'm the most popular shape on the chart. If they had a portly man's magazine, I'd be a supermodel. That's how I felt a year or two ago. Then my doctor said, you're gonna be the sexiest dead man on the planet. And then I went, ain't nothing sexy about dead. You messed up my whole imagery. And all of a sudden, it became do what you must, not what you feel. Now my wife going, when are you going to stop? You're going too far. You're getting too skinny. I said, don't worry. I got to go hit 190, see how I look. If I look too skinny, now I'm going to eat it back up to 210. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to play with this first. Let's see what 190 look like. And if 192 skinny, I'm gonna start eating it back up. We're gonna check every five pounds till I get to your ideal Netflix and chill weight. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I get there, we good. But I had to get past the feeling thing. Some of you wanna do what you feel when the truth is you gotta be disciplined and do what you must at all times. As soon as we get past this feeling, the world will be a better place. I'm going to need some people to do what they must for their children instead of what they feel. I'm going to need people to do what they must in their marriages instead of what they feel. I'm going to need people to do what they must in their communities instead of what they feel. Or else all of it's going to make us feel different about how we live. 
and then you're going to wish you had done what you must. But it's going to be too late. Because now you've got to deal with how they feel. I think it was Tupac who said, first we're going to ask, then we're going to scream, then we're going to kick the door in, and then we're going to take it. I'd rather listen to them when they just asking and screaming. Then we avoid the door kicking and take it. Then we gotta all do what we must. Number eight, take responsibility for everything, even when it's not your fault. Oh, this one's worth a million dollars. We have become masters of making excuses and blaming somebody else. It amazes me the things that adults say is the reason why they're not living or doing what they're supposed to do. They got all kinds of reasons. I don't have none. Everything in my life is my fault. Was my mother a single parent mom raising four children by herself? Absolutely. Was it hard? Absolutely. Did she do everything right? Probably not. Do I care? Absolutely not. She did the one thing right. She kept me alive till I became an adult. That's all I needed her to do. That's it. Oh, but did she do this? She do that? Not relevant. What's relevant is, when I hit 18, I was breathing. That woman did her thing. Oh, but did she, did she get, oh, I can, I can recover from all that. I can't recover from death. She had four of them, and all four made it to adulthood with no real major problems, no drugs, none of that stuff. Why? Because she was a kid to herself. If you was going to do that, you ain't going to embarrass her. Well, my mom had a clear rule. Well, you either going to act right or I'll go ahead and take you out. So we ain't going to be in the church explaining to people why you cutting up. I ain't going to be in church explaining that. So if you want to make it to 18, you're going to do as I say. At 18, you can go do whatever you want. I'll explain to the church. You don't live with me no more. <laughs> See, that was my mother's philosophy. And she did that to four kids. Everybody made it to adulthood. What else am I going to blame her for? I'm good. I'm, in the, I'm ready to take it from here. Let's go. What can I do? I watched her work two shifts. She worked double shifts as a nurse, 16 hours a day, five days a week, and then she did private duty nursing at people's homes for the weekend to raise four kids. I ain't blaming her for nothing. So yeah, we raised ourselves a lot. Yeah. I used to have to let myself in after school and make myself something to eat. Yes, I could cook a whole Thanksgiving dinner by the time I was 10. Because I had to cook it while she sat there and just told me what to do. Because she was tired. But now I'm bad to the bone. <laughs> Nothing impressed my wife more than we had 28 people over and I cooked the whole meal. She was like, whoa, hold up. Everything from scratch? What? I've been doing this since I was 10. <laughs> oh, but you were 10, letting yourself in by yourself, had to make something to eat. Wasn't that devastating? What's devastating about it? She used to say, go home, make yourself two hot dogs. I made three. <laughs> <laughs> What? 
and made a bowl of Captain Crunch. That wasn't even on the menu. So, really? I'm done? I only got two more. I'll do these two. Can I do the two? Yes. We first yes. Number nine, you got to be willing to outgrow everyone, even family. Let me explain something to you about family. Family loves you. But family look at you as a mirror. If you go winning, then now they got to justify why they not. So they don't mean to distract or hold you back, but they don't really want to have to deal with the fact that if you go prove coming from where they came from that you could do more, that means they got to justify why they ain't do more. So they're not the most encouraging or supportive. They just want you to chill with them. Don't you see the rest of us on the porch having a beer? Why you want to go to a meeting? Grab a beer and sit down. You're always trying to do something. That's inherently how family feels. So you got to be willing to outgrow them and go do it. And then it's amazing how once you do it, they go, I always knew you could do it. <laughs> and they become the most supportive they've ever had. But you got to be willing to outgrow them to get there. You understand that? Everybody successful had to outgrow somebody. Oh, no, I got to stay true to my friend. Then you're going to stay with your friend. Number 10, never, never, don't you ever quit, ever, don't you ever quit until you win, whatever your definition is of winning. 